0: reading and hearing all sorts of conflicting information about AI, artificial intelligence, and wondering what impact that might have on you? Well, welcome to AI for Creatives, a podcast by creatives for creatives, connecting you to the world of AI, Web3, blockchain, and beyond. Join our hosts, Camila Sanders and Nova Lorraine, as we explore new ways AI empowers creatives and highlight leading industry innovators utilizing amazing new tools to pave the way for our future. Get inspired and educated by fellow creatives revolutionizing the industry and exemplifying new ways to gain creative independence and sovereignty. We aim to preserve humanity in this fast-evolving digital world and creatives are a powerful force to do that. Be a part of the conversation as we take the reins of AI and shape a
1: positive narrative for our future. Welcome to another episode of AI for Creatives. I am your host, Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Camila Sanders. And we are here to talk about the intersection of AI, art, and humanity we explore AI news, tools, and what's happening around the world in the space of AI. And most importantly, how does it affect us? When I say us, I'm talking about creators, creatives, individuals that are in fashion or film or music and any of the other creative arts. And it's something that is scary for some and exciting for others. But we are here to explore all of it and to decipher how do we take this technology into the future where it focuses on human first solutions. So let's just jump in, Camila, for those that haven't joined us before. And this is their first adventure with us. We usually start with what we are up to. So Camila, what have you been up to?
0: Well, I think it's been interesting for me because I have a few speaking engagements coming up, and, you know, I typically work at the intersection of sustainable fashion and technology, and so one is about, it's at the Net Zero Conference, the future of circular fashion, which I'll be talking about technology and sustainable fashion and where we're going and all different types of technology, and then i have another one that is centered around technology for sustainable fashion startups which is my community of people um of course and another one about circular fashion and what are the different innovations so i think it this signals to me more that the sustainable fashion movement and industry is really taking heed to these different technologies. And now they're starting to embrace them because it used to be having this conversation with people in sustainable fashion. They're like, I have no idea what this new technology is or how it even applies to sustainability. But now I think people are starting to embrace it and saying, how can we use these technologies to make more of an impact on the world?
1: Yeah, I love it. And, you know, a few years ago, I was knee deep and breathing, studying, researching daily, all day, all about sustainability. And what I loved the most was the area of circularity, because I always believed that circularity was the future of sustainability and the future of fashion. So to hear all these different Panels and topics and conversations happening at these conference- conferences that circle around circularity uh, is really exciting, and you have to you know fill us in when you uh, when you get back. And so, speaking of speaking at conferences, for I'm not sure when you'll be hearing this show, but we are right around Fashion Week in New York. And I will be in New York tomorrow actually speaking at Digital Fashion Week around AI, emerging technology, and fashion. And then I will be speaking next week at FIT um, to the corporate communications class around fashion, communications, and emerging technology. And then the week is rounded out with a talk at the Women in IT Summit Taking place in New York. And guess what? It's about AI (laughs) and um, emerging tech and uh, the future of work and all of that and how it will impact um, women, how it will impact industries. So that's what I'm doing. And then over the weekend, I'm in atlanta for the nasa tech accelerator program which i participated in last summer and i'm coming back as an advisor and speaker so really exciting time it's about that season again um times of terms of hitting the road and getting in the plane and you know doing the circuit so uh i guess we'll be comparing notes when we get back for the next show for sure well let's talk about AI and robots, that's what we're talking about today. We also will be covering some other updates in the AI world. Before we go into robots, I'm going to bring it back to wearables, something a little smaller. And I thought this was really interesting. There was a a clip that we came across regarding someone who jailbreak their, their watch, actually, their smartwatch, and turned it into a an assistant a virtual assistant and what i thought was really interesting and very creepy <laughs> at the same time was that it knew details that most people or you know even your personal assistant typically wouldn't know and it was recalling information from posts on your social media pages it was recalling information uh, around details from a past social event when you when the person was having a conversation with an individual, it was highlighting the interests of that individual as it well was recommending what gifts to buy for their upcoming birthday. Um, one thing that I thought was cool was that the person talking to the watch said, Oh, I'm late. Order me an Uber. And then within seconds, done. The Uber will be here in five minutes. So, yeah, I could use a smartwatch all day to order an Uber <laughs> okay. um, and some other things. But I was just thinking, and I'd love to get your thoughts, Camilla. It's one thing to have this virtual assistant literally on our wrist. But where do you draw the line in terms of privacy? And, you know, is that something that we should? just allow for these bots to tap into all of our platforms, all of our information. You know, we know our phones have the capability to listen in, right? Just like your Alexas and your series, because we're talking to our devices. So we could potentially record details of conversations or taking that data. Where do we draw the line there? Because this is clearly where things are going. I mean, if we have All these apps on our phone that is being personalized to us and our data, of course, it's going to be turning into wearables or our goggles or our wristwatches. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think it's interesting because it is like a personal assistant. And so if you had a personal assistant, they could order you an Uber, they could book a flight for you, they could tell you what kind of gift to get someone, right? Um, So I think it's really interesting that people, we kind of use this or some people use this now. Um, So it's just another level, but you're right. The amount of data that this device is probably listening to or would have to listen to to make these fabulous recommendations, I think it's, um, it's, it's questionable, but at the same time, you know, my background is marketing. So we know that like all of this data helps to personalize your experiences. And people say like, they don't want to share their data, but you do share it. You do sign these disclaimers that (laughs) you didn't even read, you know, so there's probably things recording you now, but, um, so you kind of give, give away that level of privacy anyway to have things very customized to you. And so it's just more and more going in that direction. And I, I almost think that for the convenience, I almost feel
1: like people are going to do it Yeah, not even question it, right? I mean, to your point, there's all these terms and conditions that we have to agree to, to get access to these apps and, and platforms. And so we are probably just handing over a ton of information. So now we have the ability to activate a bot that is being trained on the information and personalizing these experiences. And then my question, though, is, where do we draw the line? But If we are aware now that this information is being gathered for our conveniences, what sort of protection can we put in place so our personal information isn't used for not so positive (laughs) intentions, if it's collecting information around the birthday parties that I'm going to and how old my children are and what time I have to pick someone up from school or practice, hmm. We have our calendars now. We have our notes in our phones now. So I don't even know if this makes a difference now that it's just talking to us, right, with these language models. Now we can have a conversation back and forth in real time. But it's just something to think about. You know, I think that as we're as excited about the conveniences, that we should cautiously, you know, think about protection and think about privacy and and maybe opt into certain things that we don't want collected um, or accessed. So yeah, it's just it's just something to put out there. I think it's really really exciting, but we should ask those questions around privacy and we should, you know, what steps can be put in place to avoid getting hacked and things like that as we continue to have these more personalized experiences. So speaking of privacy, (laughs) you and I were talking about this a little bit before we turned the mics on. And there is an AI powered product that is built around quote unquote traffic safety. Um, It's called Lane AI. It's being tested in Cromwell in the UK. And the purpose of this at least what they're stating is to prevent i guess accidents and or increase more positive driving habits and so this ai software records and photographs the inside of the car of the drivers so it can see if the driver's wearing headphones it can see if the driver's holding a phone it can see if the driver's wearing a seatbelt, amongst other things. And what it does, though, it captures the photograph and or imagery, and it sends it to the authorities. And then the driver gets a fine sent to them in the mail if they are tied to any infraction. And so they collected 5,000 violations <laughs> that now this this community or at least the the governing body is collecting all this new revenue from these new infractions, I guess, that possibly were caught before. So I just, again, I get it, safety first, but where do you draw the line in terms of privacy? There's
0: so many ways that can be abused. There's so many issues behind that. I just... You know, I think of a number of things. I think of, you know, here a big deal is in other places too, is like license plate readers. And, you know, you're going to patrol through a neighborhood and read people's plates and see if they have warrants and start knocking on doors or wait for them. Um, and then I also think about my experience in DC with red light cameras where they don't post the speed limit and you think maybe the speed limit is like 35, it's a residential, and it's really like 25, but they, but they get you on the red light cameras. And so it is it is a way for them to, to get revenue, but at what expense, right? Because I think, you know, everyday citizens, we should have privacy, especially in our vehicles. And we sh- should also just be able to live our lives and not necessarily be a revenue stream for all of these, you know, we pay our taxes, but, you know, we shouldn't be a revenue stream like this. You know, the police, to me, should be here to serve the citizens, right? Not necessarily gouge money from them. And then it's also, you know, these types of systems have disproportionately affected Black and brown people, Mm. you know? So there might be so so many different like cultural issues or other things that are happening that we're thinking about 50 million things or whatever's happening, that this will disproportionately affect people in certain neighborhoods, people with certain backgrounds culturally. Mm -hmm. And to me, it just seems like another way to further you know, inflict the cycle of poverty further, go to use the, do the prison pipeline, Mm, right? right. Because once you get so many tickets, maybe you can't pay them and then you get a warrant. And then, you know, so, and, and we've seen like in the judicial system that, you know, Black and brown people are, get harsher sentences and things like that. So there's so many things that is wrong with this. And it's, it's very interesting because the conversation that we just had, it's like all this data and who people can have access to it and probably use it for bad, but also what are the things that people can have access to our data and we can lose some of our privacy and it's disguised as something good. So you have to be very vigilant
1: about that too. 100%. I agree. And I think it's funny because when you have these technologies come out, I think that you're gonna have these counter technologies that will come up from the, you know, these other solutions where someone's like, okay, well, I'll just create maybe this new tint on my window or the camera can't pair in or whatever. But I, I think <laughs> it's it's really interesting just to see where the AI technology is being used from a use case standpoint. And I think the whole point is just being aware. Right. And that technology may inspire, you know, someone to create something else. And that's creativity. So that's great. But I think it's just being aware of some of the things that are coming down the pike. So if there's things that don't sit well with us, we have a voice and we can speak up. And because, you know, inventors are going to invent and researchers are going to research and engineers are going to build as the consumers, as the community that's being impacted by the tech. We should educate ourselves. And then if there's something that stands out that is a little troubling, we should say, hey, you know, let's look at this or another way of doing this. So anyway, let's move on because I think you bring up some incredible points regarding how this tech could impact certain cultures or communities in a negative way. And again, if there's no one speaking up about it, you know, there may not be parameters or guardrails put in place to prevent that from happening. So moving on to a really, could be scary or sensitive, and you and I really look at the glass half full most of the time. And we touched on this uh, on an earlier episode. I think we had done one on the future of AI and ChatGPT 5, and we had touched briefly on robots. And we were saying that this was coming towards the end of 2024 and early 2025. Well, here we are still in 2023. And we have a robot that is accessible for a consumer to purchase a humanoid robot with legs and arms and a head at $90,000 for some people that they could afford this. That's released. That's available And, okay, the Jetsons is here. You can have your own personal robot now. Holy smokes. And it will be powered by a ChatGPT of some sort or a Bard or something similar. It will be powered by OpenAI. So you're going to have this robot that can engage with you, have a conversation with you, and that continuously learns.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it's interesting because we've seen robots for a really long time. Like if you think about it, back in the day, you remember some video from someone that had a robot and it looked like a robot. <laughs> but now they're starting to look more human, and obviously with LLMs, they are starting to talk like humans. You know, in a way. So it's just like advancement of the technology, and even it, it takes me back to my corporate industry days where, you know, going to trade shows or working at trade shows and, you know, robotics is like a huge thing. Now they never look like a robot, you know, but there's these huge machines that do uh, robotic things and they're intelligent. Now you're taking robots that look and maybe act more human-like and putting them in these types of you know, maybe industrial settings, because I can imagine that obviously to afford a $90,000 robot, you know, if it's going to make your business more efficient, then that would be an interesting use case.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're going to see more and more robots in these warehouse settings as it relates to distribution and where you have a need to lift heavier weights. I believe there's a robot called Apollo that can lift I think 25 kilograms, I believe, in terms of weight. And there was one that we were looking at, I believe the 90,000 one, that's fairly tall and resistant. I think they were testing it by kicking it over and it could easily come back up. And so anyway, just really interesting times ahead. One of the things that stood out to me was there was a conference where there were robots introduced that had the appearance of being human so it's one thing where it's humanoid and it's a you know machine exterior and you could see the nuts and bolts you could see the metal framing okay fine then you have robots that are covered in what looks like human flesh obviously it's not human flesh but it in an, an appearance of being human where the eyes move across the sockets, the hair is human-like. And my question is, why? <laughs> and again, we're so early in the technology. Um, we've seen Sophia, the robot, where you know clearly half of her head is exposed and you could tell it's a machine. But in this case, these robots entirely are made to look like humans and I don't know. The use cases, they're there for companionship for the elderly, and that's a positive use case. What else do you think it would be used for? Uh, well, it's funny because you're like, why?
0: <laughs> and I think the human reason is always like, because we can. <laughs> like, why don't we go to the moon? Because we can. You know, like, we're always, you know, humans, we just have to discover, we have to explore, we have to learn, and we have to push those you know, barriers, you know, and it's, it's always like this race to what is the next thing that we can create? You know, who's going to (laughs) be, who's going to be the next creator? What country is going to be the next creator? Mm -hmm. And so, or how can we do things bigger and better? So I think that's just really human nature. I am all for this because I'm thinking back to Star Trek, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is this is mm. totally, you know, Star Trek was real, Data was real, so <laughs> it was in my mind, so I'm like, this is cool, like I can actually have a friend like Data, no, oh, but um, cute. but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, you, I mean, you think about these things, and it's like, well, if you really can have somebody that. Can literally like solve your problems mm. just by asking, like, and it could be technical things. And oh my gosh, my mom is always talking about how she can't open a, the top to a <laughs> to a bottle, mm. or she can't reach something higher, she can't lift this or that. I mean, I actually can see the use case for that. Yeah, that's um, true, but. My mom's also the person that still writes checks at the cash <laughs> register. So I don't think that she would want to use it. But right, 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 right. <laughs> I could see some people embracing it. It's I don't know about the companion piece. That I think that's why you want to make it more human is so that it could be that. But yeah, I don't I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> so that's that's interesting. I do because some people would be freaked out by the robot that looks like a machine and is walking around. And it would seem much more invasive if it's in your home than a robot that looks human. So that's a, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. And, you know, I could see in cases of mental health and from a companionship standpoint, even though there's question marks around that, I mean, we are already seeing software, AI powered software that allows you to date an AI. You know, it's an AI and you develop a relationship with the AI. It gets to know you very personally, and it has these real life conversations with you. And so that already exists right now. And so now let's, you take that software that's living on a browser and you, you know, take that same technology, you put it into a human looking machine human looking robot and now you could do the same thing (laughs) so again it's it's the wild wild west right now and who knows where this is all going but when we're encountering all these updates on a regular basis it's so interesting to explore both sides
0: yeah and i think Two though, it's very interesting how this is advancing because you know, you're talking about dating and AI, and even if you think about social media and us being online, like it's all really a facade, right? We we kind of have a closer relationship with people, even though we don't even talk to them. You know, so it's like this this kind of artificial thing. And with the robot that kind of says all the right things that you want to hear. Or that they think you want to hear, or maybe they might program some adversity into it. I don't know. But there's something about humans that is like this unpredictability. And I think sometimes we thrive on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> on that. Yeah. And, and a robot can't, it's always gonna be there. You know, it's always yeah. gonna, you know, like how do you how do you learn? How do you grow? How do you I feel like it will get to a point where this is not acceptable. Anymore. It's not a good substitute. Even with social media, you know, since it's kind of like that facade, you get engrossed in it. Like that's how you're, it's meant to be like you're engrossed on your feed and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling. Same things with these robots. They would try to make it be more of an addictive thing. So it's like, is it kind of keeping people in this like, coma in a sense where they're not facing, you know, the real world. And how do we kind of break out of that? Hmm, Or can we, you know, break out of that? Something to think about. It's it's so much, it's so interesting because it's like, yay, technology, social media is great. I can connect with people globally, but at the same time, let's not get so immersed in it. Let's all, so I think it's all about living that balanced life, Hmm. you know, like, Connecting with people in real time, also connecting with people virtually, going out to nature for walks, but also when you can't do do that, you know, getting your headset and experience, you know, go climb a mountain or something. I think it's always keeping in mind that balance. Right. And and keeping in mind when we always reiterate, like it's a tool. It's a tool. It's not meant to take over your life.
1: Right. Excellent points. So that made me think of this other. AI news update that I came across where NPC players are powered with these uh, language models and are told that they're real inside the game. So you can engage with the NPC players now, where before they were just like, they were there, you know, to fill space, but you weren't having a conversation with them. Now you can have a conversation with them and they can respond back. And so I was watching a clip where this YouTuber was having a conversation with two of these NPC players saying, hey, did you know you're not real? Do you know you're an AI? And it's so interesting to see the AI respond, really? Oh, that explains a lot. Well, why was I created this way? And, and why was I created? And, and they're like, well, where am I? And they're like, oh, you're in the matrix. Oh, that explains a lot. And how should I respond to this? I mean, it was so (laughs) fascinating to see this conversation with the AI, you know, supposedly realizing that it was an AI and wasn't a real player in the game. And it's like the movie Free Guy. Yes. (laughs) It's exactly that. Yes. That's what I was
0: thinking. I was like, oh my gosh, it's exactly like that. So
1: again, gaming is going to you know, be taken to a whole nother level. Um, there is a social media platform where it's just AI bots talking to each other. Female founder, and the name is skipping me, so I'll have to remember to bring that back when we next meet. And it's just bots uh, having conversations and training each other back and forth. So again really interesting because you can have these these cities these game worlds where it's just npc players powered by chatgpt or bard or something like that so who knows we'll see that was it was very interesting but it very much reminded me of free guy <laughs> yeah yeah crazy 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 so we have to touch on the ai learning how to smell <laughs> yes.
0: So I think that that, that is interesting because I'm thinking about, you know, the robots that we were talking about before and it being around your household. And I kind of, I'm like, oh, well, that's cool because like, like we said, you know, you kind of want it to be, you know, as human as possible, or I'm not saying you want it to be, but like you said, that kind of makes it normal because or more acceptable because you kind of expect, like, if I had a flower and I shared the flower with someone else, and like, oh, smell how these roses are, and the and the AI can't really smell it. You're just like, okay, really, you can't smell that, you know? But so it's kind of it's kind of cool. And even I was thinking of it more like maybe it's an early warning syst- uh, system where you it might smell smoke in the house before you can smell mm. it. It might smell mold or just certain scents that after a while we just get accustomed to, our human body Mm -hmm. does, and we don't notice that it's around, but it might smell something and then be able to check the diagnostics on it or, you know, something like that. So it could be a way that um, it helps us.
1: Yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that. I was just thinking that the Things that make us human, right, that separate us now from our toaster and our dishwasher and our refrigerator are these senses that we have. And so we have machines now that can talk and they're becoming more and more human-like in the conversation. And now we have machines that can smell and we have machines that look human with, you know, in terms of the flesh and the hair and the eyes and all of that. And so... Again, just forecasting out because we're so so early, right, and I often say day one of ten thousand, so forecast out three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, you know how many households will have a human like robot that can smell and potentially taste and have very fluid conversations and speak in up to a hundred languages and yeah. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting time. And you know what? I remember just growing up where we our summers we were just spent outside all day until it was dark and there was one television and <laughs> it was in the living room and, you know, all of these experiences pre-smartphone, pre internet And we're going to go from that all the way to where there's human-looking robots in our home. I mean, how fascinating to take this extreme journey of technological transformation in one lifetime. It's just amazing.
0: Yeah, and it makes me think, like, I remember going to college and having to go to the cafeteria to eat (laughs) versus ordering Mm -hmm. food and a robot brings it to me, you know? So I feel like just with these little things, these little things we're so used to having technology around. I mean, we have cameras in our house <laughs> watching outside and you know, we're just getting more and more technology around us and we're getting used to it. So I think by the time we get to that future, it's going to be like, oh, you know, it's just a smarter thing.
1: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think each piece of tech that we're using now is getting us ready and prepared for that next step. You know, so we went from the Palm Pilot to the Apple, to the iPad, to, you know, smart devices in our home, to smart TVs, you know. So yeah, I think it's it's an evolution and it's fascinating to see how we're going to continue to create, how we're going to use these technologies to benefit us. I think it's always great for us to ask those questions around privacy, around ethics, you know, because the engineers are going to build and inventors are going to invent. But it's going to be the consumers, going to be us that are using the technologies that are going to say, this is what we want to use it for. Here are the parameters that we want to be built into it. Here are the things that we don't necessarily want to give access to. And just be aware to have these conversations to share our voices. So the technology is in alignment with our goals and our intentions hopefully those are all positive. <laughs> so that's what that's I'm putting that out there into the ether cuz that's the future I want to step into that's the reality I want to step into.
0: Absolutely we all do and I just have to ask one more question, right? How can all of this
1: be applied to creatives? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. I think a lot of creatives that I encounter are on one side of the fence or another. They're super excited and they're playing with the tools and it's making them more efficient. It's breaking barriers from a cost standpoint, from an engagement standpoint with their communities. But then on the other side is art and creativity. It was one of those things that drew the hard line between what makes us human and not. And so it's one of those things where I feel the technology and the AI is For some questioning, well, what is our story? What is our purpose? What differentiates us if a machine can sing or create music with an instrument or can paint a painting or can sing a lullaby or or write a story for my three-year-old? What is there left for me to do? So I think it forces us to sort of reexamine examine Our identity and what makes us human, and how we can continue to expand as creators and creatives, and how else can we create, and how else can we elevate our creativity, our imagination, our personal growth with these technologies. And I believe the more of us that are putting our intention in that direction around growth, uh, human first solutions, around mindfulness. You know, all these things that could be powerful around freeing up our time to to play more. Like, how about that, right? And so if we are looking at how we can together, collectively, bring that future forward as opposed to a more dystopian one, then we all win because the technology is here and it's continuing to move forward. And so I think it's so critical for us to be aware so we can choose how to participate with the technology. And so it doesn't just, you know, blindside us. I love that because
0: you're bringing it to, it's really a question that we don't know, right? Is that now that we have this assistance, now that we have these tools, it is forcing us to evolve. It's forcing us to elevate. It's forcing us to grow. And so, what is that potential that we have, right? And I don't think I don't think we know because we haven't been there yet. So that's super interesting. I love that mindfulness and really leaning into that and growing through that,
1: yeah. And I think who knows what the future holds. But I think that I, you know, As humans, we are very powerful, and I love what you said where we have this unpredictability about us, and we have this instinct of survival and togetherness, and I think with that, we can see a really positive future alongside the technology, and we can choose what we want that future to be. Yeah, I'm going to continue to stay positive. Um, you know, you and I are going to continue to get out there and educate and just to make people aware of what's coming and let them make their decisions on what they want to do with it and how they want to use the tech. But I feel that it's always to our benefit if we move from a space of positivity, of growth, of abundance, and not move through a space of fear, because that's when we create those negative outcomes. Love it. You know I'm about being an optimist and positive. I know you are. You're so excited. Every time I bring an update, you're like, oh, I love it. I love it. And I'm like, well, what about, what about? And you're like, it's great. It's <laughs> amazing. Give me one. Sign me up. <laughs> so I love that about you. And my knee jerk is always like, whoa, wait. And I think it is great to have that energy of positivity because that can eclipse any of the things that, could go wrong. So I love that. I love the excitement and you continue to like open my eyes to these new, more positive ways of skewing, you know, where this can go. So I appreciate that. So thanks. Love it. (laughs) All right. Well, I think this is a good place to wrap this up. Another episode of AI for Creatives brought to you exclusively By the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. And please share if you found any value in today's show. Please go back and listen to our past episodes. There's so much great content there. To help get you familiar, to bring you into this space, to help you ask more questions, to maybe inspire you to upskill. So please, please listen to those other episodes. Subscribe so you can always stay up to date with the newest releases. And again, share, 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 share. Like, leave a review. You can contact us through the Pink Kangaroo, and that's Kangaroo the U podcast network pink if you have any questions any recommendations so yeah come back for the next episode we are super excited to continue to bring you updates news our questions and queries as we take this journey into this new digital economy any final words Canela? I think you said it all. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go that's a wrap okay guys until next time it's a <laughs> it's a wrap (laughs) i'm nova lorraine this is camila (laughs) and this is ai for creatives
0: ciao hi